What's going on guys? Welcome to the very first video of Heading West in collaboration with Connor Cavazos, the CEO and founder of the Crypto Crow's Nest. And we have a pleasurable guest today. His name is Kento Inami, the CEO and founder of UXD Protocol. Hey guys. So um, kind of getting into it. I love <laughs> <laughs> This is Kento, this is Connor. But um, yeah, kind of diving in, I'd love to learn a little bit about your background, Kento, where you're from, and kind of ultimately like what got you into crypto? Yeah, so, uh... My name is Kento. Um, I'm Japanese. Um, I was born. I was actually born in Netherlands, but I lived mostly in Japan, and have lived a little bit in the U.S. in the U.S. for a bit. Um, but like uh, my background is so I started in UXD in mid 2020, um, and before that I uh, was working at a cryptocurrency exchange called Bitflyer in Japan, um, and I started uh, working there since 2017. Um, and before that, I was working uh, at a like a, a bank in Japan, um, and I traded uh, derivatives there. Um, and I started I started in crypto in twenty seventeen, mid twenty seventeen. Um, and I you know I, I started like as many people did. Like I, I read the the Bitcoin white paper, um, and I became hooked. Like I realized that it, you can actually create digital currency that's decentralized, and you know it actually works. And I, and then I became like really interested. And I just decided to go full time in crypto, and you know started to work at the cryptocurrency exchange. Awesome! And uh, I see you guys are backed by Alameda, Multicoin. What was that process like? Did they find you, or did you go to them? Yeah. So Multicoin led our seed round, and and how it you know came to that was um, so back then you know I it was just like a white paper in a, in a deck. Um, and I sent it to Solana Foundation because they were like uh, giving out grants back then. And, you know, I applied for a grant for, you know, creating the UXC stablecoin. And then the guy, <clears throat> it's called Ben, um, but he used to work at Multicoin, the, the guy who, you know, at Solana Foundation, who was in charge of like investments. And he introed me to Multicoin and then Multicoin. Since Multicoin, like Kyle and Tushar like came up with the idea themselves like a long time ago too. Like they also had this idea of the ultimate drop back stable coin. Um, and so like they understood, like I wrote this white paper, but they understood it instantly because they thought about it before. Um, and yeah, and then like, you know, they said they'll uh, lead and then uh, they introduced me to other investors, uh, including uh, Alameda. No, that's super neat. And then kind of diving into a little bit about your leadership style, I'd love to see, you know, how that has kind of helped USD protocol and kind of what is your style and how has that kind of helped your team succeed in, uh, in growing yeah, the protocol? Yeah, like I try, like, um, I don't know if it's like a leadership style, but I try to hire people who, like, I think are smarter than I am. So, like, uh, especially people who are, like, very into crypto. Um, so interviews, I would, like, especially for their, if they're for, like, strategy, um, they... I would ask them like pretty like difficult questions in crypto and you know, they, it's, it's relatively easy for me to gauge their like level in crypto. Um, so one of the things that I do in terms of strategy is for like the business side, I try to hire people who like, you know, ha are very smart. And then for like technical roles, like our CTO is very, like, very technically you know competent. And um, he knows a lot of people from back when he was, working in other companies. And so a lot of people uh, have been, you know, kind of recruited uh, people that he knows. Um, so that's kind of like how the team was formed. And as for like leadership skills, like I try to like 
take everyone's opinion into account. And if there's like, um, if it's close where it's very split on whether to do something or not, um, then I try to involve the community. Um, but then sometimes even then it's still close, in which case we kind of wait, don't do it. Um, but most of the time, there's most of the time there's a consensus on what to do, I would say. No, that's super interesting. Um, some great insight there, especially for people who are looking to build teams and even, you know, build out their own crypto protocols. Um, and then kind of in regards to the audience, how would you kind of describe UXD at like a foundational level for anyone who's never heard of the protocol? So UXD is, it's a stable coin. It's a decentralized stable coin on Solana. And the way it, so about stable coins, it's always about how it stabilizes its price. And the way UXD does it is kind of unique and that it creates uh, a delta neutral position on a derivative DEX to back the stable coin. Now, uh, what, a de- uh, what a delta neutral position is, is in a very simple way of, of explaining it is like a long spot position and a short uh, perpetual futures position. So if you're long one soul and you're short one soul perpetual futures, um, the price going to like, uh, you know, going down 90% or going up by 500% has no, effect on PNL, right? Your PNL is always zero because, you know, if, if it goes up, you make money on the on the spot position, but you lose money on the perpetuals. Um, and it goes down, it's the other way around. But the 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 gains and the losses always like cancels each other out. And so that's basically when you always have a PNL of zero, that's basically what a stable coin is. And uh, basically that position uh, backs the stable coin. Uh, that's like how it works. Um, would love to hear kind of why you chose to build on Solana over AVAX, for example, and um, other layer ones. Right. So for UXD, um, composability is very important. So composability is basically like the ease in which apps can communicate with each other and integrate with each other. And since Solana has this philosophy of scaling on chain, um, there's no situation where like a certain app is on L1 and, and another app is on L2, right? Because then, or or situation where um, an app is on, uh, like let's say Optimism, and then another app is on um, uh, Arbitrum, for example. Arbitrum. Yeah, it's 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 hard to for these two apps to communicate, right? But on Solana, it's all on Solana, like it's just on the one L, layer one. And for UXD, <laughs> well, we integrate with Mango Markets, but <laughs> it's really important that we um, we can, you know, when someone mints UXD. There's an atomic transaction that occurs on Mango to short the perpetual futures, and like a, you know, it has to be done in one atomic transaction. Um, the price has to be within a certain range. Like all of this has to be done, um, and it, it's you know you can only do it on on like uh, when the apps are very composable. And so that's one of the reasons why we decided to build on Solana. So beyond um, Solana, things like uh, subnets on Avalanche or parachains on Polkadot, um, yeah. what made you choose or what advantages, I guess, does Solana have over those systems? And, um, and how has so that I, helped UXD grow? I, I think it's composability. So for uh, parachains or for subnets, uh, they're basically like different zones. Right, and and the in these zones are kind of like separate, um, and so it's um, I there is some interoperability between these zones, but it's 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 more difficult, right? So um, 
theoretically, you if if there's like a derivative dex on a one subnet, and we're also in on the same subnet, then you can you can you can create this delta interpolation. But I do think it's it's a little bit more difficult, and also you you have the issue of scalability, um, because the scalability of one uh, subnet is 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 limited by its um, you know by the chain's kind of um, uh, technical capabilities, right? Um, like um, so, it's um, that's like you know we think that Solana has uh, a better scaling solution in that sense, and we decided to go on Solana. And uh, I saw that you guys uh, in another interview you said that you were researching other chains, and you talked about uh, bringing UXD to Ethereum, but you said it you it would have to be native in order for that to work. Uh, how would that work? Um, so actually. We've been working on this for some time, and actually, so I, I, I can I can talk about this already because we kind of like tweeted a teaser a little while ago. But it's it's going to be optimism. Um, we're gonna, we're going to release it on DevNet, and the way it works is there's a derivative dex on optimism called uh, Perpetual Protocols, um, and so and they recently started to accept multi collateral. They started to accept US uh, ETH as collateral, and so we can now create the delta interposition using ETH. ETH as collateral on on optimism and integrating with perpetual protocols. Uh, and so, yeah, we can then now create it natively on optimism. So how would governance work in that situation then? Yeah, um, that's, if it's that's, split between chains. Yeah, that's a good good question. Um, so it, it goes down, it, it comes back to a question or like there's another question related to this, which is, well, are you guys going to have a governance token on optimism? To govern the protocol on optimism, or is there going to be like one governance token that's going to govern all these chains? And we don't yet have like an answer to that. Like we first, we're first concentrating on creating the stablecoin natively on optimism, and then thinking of how to uh, create a governance token around that later on to kind of like tie it in. Yeah, real quick, Hunter. Um... Yeah, because I think with Luna and the, with UST and everything that happened there, I think a major issue with um, why it all you know came crashing down was the lack of liquidity on other chains. Uh, do you foresee that being an issue, or and if you do, uh, how do you mitigate that problem and the lack of liquidity well, on those other chains? So um, the stability of the stablecoin doesn't really have to do with the uh, the governance token, because um, the governance token doesn't really, um, it, it, you can you can change parameters for the stablecoin. Uh, well, actually, you can like, um, you can vote on which derivative dex to integrate with, for example. Um, and it, and you, <clears throat> the governance token is like the the final backstop of when the insurance fund runs out. Um, but like um, in terms of like how to, in terms of like the stability of the stablecoin, it doesn't really have to do with it. Um, and so you don't really have the situation where like in Luna, where the Luna token is actually is like the kind of like the backstop for UST because it mints more UST, uh, more Luna when um, when someone redeems their UST, it, it you know, mints more Luna. Right. Whereas with the governance token for UST, um, it, it doesn't there's no mechanism like that. So liquidity of the governance token doesn't really have to do with a stable coin, actually. 
No, that's some solid insight. Thank you, Kento. And then I'm also curious too, how do you kind of see the stablecoin market evolving over the next few years? And then what are your thoughts on USDC kind of becoming a household name? Yeah, so I think, so like starting from the conclusion, I think like there's going to be two types, like centralized stablecoins and then decentralized stablecoins. And centralized stablecoins, they're already like, you know, there's already like a well, um, process or a well thought out way of doing it you just you just try to be regulated as much as possible you try to get licenses in in, in most of these like states um you you establish good banking uh relationships um basically circle right circle is doing i think a better job than tether and in 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 the execution of a centralized stablecoin and and i think you know it's it's going to be circle right like their execution strategy is going to work so i think for centralized stablecoins, um, you know, I, we can already see uh, what's going to happen, you know, or like I, I don't really see like a huge change in, in, in centralized stablecoins. On the other hand, decentralized stablecoins, there's like various models and no one yet knows what exactly is the right approach. So there's like the DAI model where it's partially backed by USDC and then, then by ETH. There's like stablecoins like LUSD which is only backed by ETH, but, you know, same uh, over collateralization method like DAI. And then there's like UXD, which is like a delta neutral uh, stable coin. And then there's FRAX, which is like, um, FRAX is like, it's it's backed by USDC, but like it's like 5%, 10% like the governance token and then like 90% USDC. Um, I think that's like the majority of the stable coins that are out there right now, I think, and in terms of like the model. Um, and what, what I expect is, uh, in the future, it's going to merge. So there's going to be like several ways to maintain the peg for decentralized stablecoin, And, uh, like the winner takes all decentralized stablecoin is going to adopt like several of these things. So it's not just going to be one thing, but it's going to be several. Um, and I think there's going to be like this concentration in what the ideal decentralized stablecoin is going to be, although we don't know exactly what it is yet. But I, I think that's we're still in like the experimentation stage. Um, but I do think there's going to be like a like a like an end game in, in that sense. And so, do you see regulation um, as a propelling component for decentralized stablecoins, and specifically UXD, or a negative component, or is that going to weed out kind of decentralized stablecoins from maybe ones that claim they're decentralized but are not? Yeah, I think it's it's a nuanced um, answer because it also depends on how hard regulators clamp down on stablecoins. So if they, well, the way they're gonna, I think, uh, regulate stablecoins is well, first they regulate like they make rules more strict for like stablecoins like USDC, and then USDC, they will then take actions um, that makes it more difficult for uh, decentralized stablecoins that rely on USDC to operate. Um, so it depends on how hard they come down on. If they come down hard, like stable coins like DAI, the, since they're partially collateralized by USDC, if they black, if, you, if Circle blacklists the DAI's, uh, you know, USDC, um, it essentially just becomes under collateralized. So, I mean, I don't really think that's what's going to happen, but if they do go that far, then like a lot of these decentralized stablecoins will die out. Um, I think long-term, 
um, what you should do as a stablecoin is try to not rely on USDC as much as possible. Um, otherwise, like you kind of have to ask the question like, well, why not just use USDC instead? And so moving forward, how do you see, because I saw in one of your other interviews where, or no, it was in the Breakpoint 21, where you discussed uh, settling Mango futures and potentially UXD. Is that still your guys' goal? Because right now it's for the audience, it's settled in USDC. Is that still your guys' goal? Yeah, we would like to do that. Um, obviously, I think it's it it's going to take some time. Um, but like we would definitely like to do that. Um, like get USD, USD as the settlement currency for Mango. And then um, in regards to de-pegging, I was curious watching another one of your interviews, uh, doing some research. So I guess Mango Markets, as you stated, I believe have a $70 million insurance fund. I was curious if that has increased or decreased at all with kind of the current market situation. And then have you guys kind of found a kind of workaround rather than like relying on that? Yeah, I, th I think Mango changed. I think they might have lost like a few hundred K, something like that. I, like there, it was on like a dashboard. I don't know. I don't remember exactly what the number was. I think it was like a few hundred K. So it's, it's, it's like you know, basically nothing. Um, as for the insurance fund on Mango, um, so the insurance fund on Mango is there so that when um, there's a situation where the uh, the traders with a negative PNL cannot pay their negative PNL because their leverage too much and the price goes down or up too um, goes goes down or up too quickly and they're liquid and then they get liquidated, but um, the liquidation uh, doesn't isn't like you know doesn't happen as quickly enough. And then there's like this um, like negative equity that has to be paid out from the insurance fund so that the positive, positive side gets paid out. Um, and it's, 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 it's a necessary thing for most of the DEXs. Um, and so I wouldn't say that we're kind of relying on them, but it's like, it's, it's like, a, it's like a safety mechanism and, and it, it's better to have it than not to have it for sure. Definitely. No, that makes so sense. How do you think in kind of light of what you just said, and obviously the past month with UST blowing up after, you know, $20 billion of value just destroyed. Um, how do you see UXD building confidence for users? And are there any indicators that you foresee that would, you know, kind of signal UXD as like a permanent, permanently established <clears throat> in the market? Um, so what we look at is obviously like the price, right? So for the last several, so we started in, in January this year, um, basically in a bear market. And we've been obviously been looking at the peg on how well it's kept its peg and the arbitrage mechanism behind it. So um, what happens for UXD is that, um, so what, what basically has happened over the last, for the past like two months is everyone got out of like, algorithmic stablecoins or decentralized stablecoins. They sold it on Curve or Saber and they exited to USDC. Um, and so, and that has happened for UXD too, right? Like the, everyone discriminately just sold off all their uh, decentralized stablecoins for USDC. And what happened was the Saber pool will become imbalanced and UXD would like, you know, lose its peg a little bit, like go to like 99 cents, 0.995 or something like that. And then what would happen is, um, people would then uh, acquire UXD on Sabre 
and then they would redeem it for a dollar worth of stole assets, and then they sell the stole for USDC. Um, and we've seen bots. There are people who are running bots that that do this automatically to arb the price. Um, and this has led to you know keeping its pegs. So so far, uh, you know, in like this very you know volatile market condition, we've kept the peg. Um, so at least like current market cap is thirty million. Um, so you know we're not sure what's going to happen if it goes like you know three hundred million or a billion. Um, but at least for, like technically, it, it we saw that it kind of worked. <clears throat> um, and then like as for establishment, like I think the length of time it keeps its bag is important. And hopefully we, I think people will, will start to trust it much more once we um, keep it pegged for at least a year. Awesome. And, oh, and then, sorry, uh, go for it, uh, no worries. If you got another one, uh, feel free. It's fine. Uh, I was also curious, do you plan to integrate UXD in Solana Pay? Because I know that's picking up quite a bit. Um, not yet, actually. Um, I mean, we, we would love to, but like my main focus right now is DeFi. So getting integrated in as many DeFi applications as possible is our biggest priority. Um, I would say we talk, we probably have like 50%, maybe like half of the DeFi applications. There's a few left that we want to be integrated with. Um, but once we once we finish DeFi applications, then we would ideally like to be used as a stablecoin on an on NFT marketplace. Um, so you can buy and sell NFTs using UXD is will be a next step. Um, and then real real world payments um, through you know Solana Pay, for example. So uh, moving forward in regards to what you're saying about DeFi. Do you think that Solana, uh, or I'm sorry, do you think that UXD um, can only grow at the speed that the future exchanges and the liquidity on those exchanges grows? Yes, we are like constrained by the liquidity of derivative DEXs. And this has been one of our scaling issues. So uh, we're like 90% of the open interest on Mango markets, which, you know, we're basically like the, we're like the sole, like the only shorters on Mango Markets, right? That has like a short position the entire time. Um, and that has like pushed down negative funding rates, like funding rates very negatively. Um, and so how we think about scaling right now is integrating with more derivative DEXs. So we've already started working on that. Um, the next one will probably be zero one. <clears throat> so that um, by integrating with more derivative DEXs and also um, coming up with new ways to stabilize the stable coins is also another thing that we've been thinking about. Um, so one thing that has been brought up uh, internally was uh, D3M, which MakerDAO actually uses. Um, it's like a, you lend through a lending protocol. You supply more of the stable coin in the lending protocol and you target a, a interest rate. Um, and it's basically backed by the assets in that lending protocol. Um, so MakerDAO has been doing this with Aave uh, for quite a for quite a long time, and we've been thinking about doing it with Solan. But recently, there's been some you know some um, you know this large you know whale that's about to be liquidated on Solan, and and you know we kind of we haven't ditched the idea, but we decided to just you know not pursue it right now. Um, so we're kind of like thinking about how to scale. There's a few other ideas that we have, um, but still, they're still like experimental. 
Um, and um, so yeah, I think next step, like what you could probably see is inter more integration and then uh, multi-chain. So optimism is, is what you can expect in the next several months. And what do you think about Solon's dilemma right now with, I mean, the option seems right, either self-preservation or, you know, you stick to the decentralization, but yeah. like, it seems like there's kind of a fork in the road right now. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, both of the options are not ideal. Um, I mean, I personally lean towards doing the OTC thing that they've issued. So in, in their governance proposal, they, they kind of came up with this idea where the price of the, uh, the, when the whale becomes close to liquidation, they take over the position and then sell off like 20% or something like that to a, to an OT, on, on the OTC market. And I think, you know, I think it's for Solan, that's the way they should do it. Like, you know, I, obviously decentralization is important, but this hundred million it's very big and they might, it might leave like such a bad debt. There's no liquidity. There's not much liquidity on, 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 um, on DEXs. Um, and so, you know, and if they run, they, they have 20 million in insurance fund. I mean, if they run out of that, you know, they're, they won't be able to survive. And, you know, I, I think they have to make this tough decision and, um, it's not ideal, but I, th I think they made the right, at least the right proposal. So moving forward, um, if if UXD succeeds, why did it succeed? And if it fails, why did it fail? Good question. So I actually had this question before by someone else. I forgot. But so like the way I see it succeed is derivative DEXs succeeding. Like if derivative DEXs are a success in that there's a lot of traction, a lot of people trade on derivative DEXs as they do on you know, spot dexes, um, then you'll have a lot of liquidity. There'll be more market makers, there'll be more liquidity. Um, they'll be able to withstand more of our short positions. Um, and so like, um, you know, I can I can see, you know, in a, in a scenario where UXD succeeds as it is, um, I, it, it, the, you know, derivative dexes would definitely be succeeding. Um, and then the way it fails is, is, is is basically like the opposite of that, right? Where dividend indexes never take off. There's no volume for it. And we just continue to be like 90% of the open interest and funding rates just is always negative. That's how I see like UXD failing. Awesome. I, I appreciate the insight, Kento. Um, the last question we have, uh, you know, relates to your profile picture. Who would win in a fight? Uh, Grandpa Zoldig or uh, Kikyo, his the dad of Killa. And Wait for the viewers oh, who are okay. familiar, it's uh, Hunter X Hunter, the television show that it relates to. Kind of a fun one to throw in at the end. Oh man, um, I think I think it's hmm, I think it's the dad. I think it's. Oh wait, wait a minute. I mean, it's very close, actually. It's a, it's like it's a very difficult question. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I I think I think it's the dad. I think it's the dad, not the 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 grandpa. The reason is like, well, I think the grandpa has more experience, but stamina is the dad, and I think the dad is more in his prime time than the than the grandpa. Let's just say awesome. that. Are you? 
There we go. But um, yeah, I just kind of want to wrap it up. Say thanks everyone for tuning in to the first video of Heading West. Huge thank you to Kento. It's been a pleasure. I appreciate you coming on. And then um, I'm going to leave Kento's information down below. Yeah, thank you again, Kento and uh, Connor for hopping thanks, on. Thanks, Connor. Thanks for having me.